Hey friends, here we go. Another episode of the podcast. And I'm talking with a thought leader that is really close to the way that we coach leaders. In fact, she is a leadership coach. She's also a psychologist. But beyond that, she's somebody who has wrestled with burnout herself. She came from the corporate space. Now she gets to serve leaders in a very similar coaching space that I do, actually, with some very similar practices than we have at Stay Forth. But I thought that the language that she brought to a lot of our leadership challenges and struggles were particularly helpful for you, our listeners. Jonathan and I are always thinking about you, our listeners, as we record as we edit to make sure that this isn't just a conversation that we're interested in, but one that is truly helpful to you. So hang on till the end in this episode, I'm going to talk about a very practical exercise where I believe you can take Dr. Jamie's words and thoughts and phrases and actually put them into an exercise that can help you right now in the fall. Friends, we know you are pushing hard right now. We know there are new opportunities. There's new momentum usually in the fall. But I just want to encourage you to slow down, to stay at the pace of your heart and your soul, not just the pace that your body and mind feel like you need to run at here this fall. I think this podcast episode will give you some practical handles. I took four or five phrases from this and have been using them directly in my coaching sessions after this. So dive into this podcast episode, maybe grab your journal alongside of you, at least the notes app on your phone, be ready to take some notes. This is Dr. Jamie Shapiro, author, psychologist, and leadership coach. Enjoy. Dr. Jamie Shapiro, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alan. There is so much in common between your work and our work here at Stay Forth. I'm excited to dive in today. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about your book, Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out. I think everybody here listening on the podcast is saying, yes, like that's that's what I want. Um, it's a little harder to do that. And we're going to get practical and, and kind of dive in. But first of all, how in the world did you get into this work around leader vitality, uh, around health, around the sustainability piece that we talk so much about at Stay Forth? I think like many things in life, it was born out of my own experience in the business world and recognizing that there is this cycle that many people get on where they burn out, they recover, they burn out, they recover. And what I was seeing was when I was at my best, it's when I had the foundation of well-being and my leadership capacity completely changed in those moments. And when I was burned out, I obviously had less capacity and I wasn't as effective. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are we not connecting the dots on a regular basis? Well-being is the foundation for leadership performance, but yet we're not talking about full-body leadership. We're talking about leadership very much in the context of like what's between your ears, what's my strategy, what's my communication, and not that those things aren't really important, but if we're not caring for self first, we can't care for others. And it's really hard to bring out the best in others when you're not bringing out the best in yourself. So for me, it was about recognizing this connection and saying, yeah, I want to go do something about this. I want to coach differently. I want to think differently. I want to focus on the research in this space. And so it was really birthed out of my own, you know, cycles of burnout and saying, I want to, I want to find a different way and a better mm -hmm. approach. Yeah, man, I've heard that story before. I felt like I was right at the 
the edge of burnout and didn't go kind of into full fledged burnout, but um, obviously have coached many leaders who have and say, I don't want to go there again. It was terrible. Uh, it was debilitating in many ways. Their families don't want them to experience them that way again. Talk about that word well-being. What do you mean by that? How do you define that? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to think about well-being. And I think sometimes people focus very much just on the physical side of well-being. They think about well-being as like just a healthy physical body. And in actuality, when I look at well-being, I look at it from a, a nine pathway model. And we in my research, I focus on these nine pathways that contribute to well-being and ultimately to vitality. And so it's everything from positive emotions to engagement, to our relationships, to our connection to meaning and purpose. Um, yes, our physical health is a big part of that as well, but then also mindset. You know, we don't talk a lot about mindset, but mindset contributes to that as well. And then our environment, our economic security, like there's so many different pathways when we talk about well-being that it's hard for me to define, right? I could say it's flourishing. I could say it's thriving, but I like to break it down a little bit deeper and think about those nine areas of well-being and think about it a little bit more expansively. Mm, great. And then use this term full body leadership and full body yeah. leadership coaching. What do you mean by that? I mean, leadership is a full body experience. I think we often focus so much on the intellectual side, but like our body and our mind are obviously connected and our physical body contributes to how we lead. So everything from caring for our physical health to recognizing how we use things like the breath to connect to our responsiveness and leadership to our body position. And like, we talk a lot about embodied leadership. Like, what does that mean? We sometimes in the business world talk about executive presence, but I think that's a really elusive concept in some ways. It's like, how do we use the entire system that we have to expand our leadership? And so it really encompasses more than just our mind. It is, you know, how we hold our posture, how we move, how we, you know, take care of this physical body, and then how we leverage it from everything from our hormones to the neurotransmitters that are firing in our brain to actually access our full capacity. Mm. So burnout, we talk yeah. tons about <laughs> burnout here. I know it's kind of the negative side. Um, and then of course, where we want leaders leading from is healthy, wholehearted, um, full body, the way that you're talking about it. What are some antidotes to burnout? Yeah. And, and the way that I look at burnout and think about burnout is maybe a little more simple than some of the literature around burnout, but I think about vitality as an abundance of physical, psychological, and emotional vitality energy. Um, and then I think about burnout as the opposite. So I kind of mm. look at them at opposite ends of the spectrum and think about like if vitality is over on one side and it's the drain of all or the abundance of all of that, then burnout's on the other side and it's the drain of all of those things. So what I've shown in my research is when we care for those nine dimensions that I was sharing, those pathways of well-being, what it does is it enhances that energy available to self. So when I think about the antecedents or the the antidote to burn, like the antecedents to vitality and the antidote to burnout, I think about it and use my research as validation for that those nine pathways are our way to focus on an abundance of vitality. And so thinking about that in like, hey, we don't need to focus on them all at once, because if you focus on them 
all at once, right? Like that's not how we change as human beings. It's one small step at a time. So I encourage people to think about those nine pathways and ask themselves the question, what's the small step that's right in front of me that I can step into today and really focus on that as my first step into being vital and then Mm. expand my capacity. Yeah. I'm curious of those nine pathways. Are there a few of those that you feel like um, we tend to ignore? Yeah. Um, Yes. I think we tend to ignore a lot of those pathways and not recognize, recognize the connection to how that enhances us. So the one that I would say I think is ignored the most that I think is one of the most powerful is mindset and recognizing that we are masters of our mind, um, meaning we are in control. That's the greatest gift that being a psychologist has given to me is the recognition that, wow, I can actually change my brain, right? We have this wonderful thing in our brain, which is it can change. And so if we focus on our mindset and we focus on the thoughts we want to give energy to, what we see is we literally change the thoughts we're having. Um, And so to me, mindset is probably the thing, if we focused on more, we could enhance um, and really change how much well-being we have. So that's probably one. And the other one I would say is positive emotion. We don't focus enough on, and obviously these two things are related, right? But if we're changing the way we're thinking, we're going to have more access to some of those positive emotions like gratitude, and joy. And to me, those are two that we often don't talk about in the space of well-being enough and focus on enough. Man, there's a lot there we could dive into. Um, But so much of that really lines up with what we're talking about. We talk a lot about time versus energy. And um, that's something that you talk a lot about as well. So I want to kind of dive into that um, you talk about how time is not a renewable resource, but energy is. Um, yes. How can we individually generate more energy? We're kind of all looking for more energy, right? Like as parents, as leaders, how do we generate more of that? Well, it is an individual experience. And that's one of the things that I think is communicated a lot in the business world incorrectly, right? They're like, oh, go find more work-life balance. And you're like, I don't, where do I sign up for that one? Like I, I was told that all through my career. And it felt like, oh, if I could just take a class on that, that would be really helpful because I don't know how to do that. And the truth is, is that it's an individual experience. We all have different things that replenish our energy. We all have different things that deplete our energy. And I'm a big fan of just creating like scaffolding for thinking, like structure for thinking. And so what I ask people to do is just mind map, right? Like brainstorm, what are the things that nourish you that bring energy back in from a mind, body, heart, and spirit perspective? Like what are those things? Just write them all down. And then again, back to the small step that's right in front of you. What are the things that you can do every day to get energy back in? And that doesn't necessarily need to look the same every day. For me, it definitely does look the same every day. I have a window of where I'm like, this is my intentional time to get energy back in. But I also pay attention during the day to what are the small things I can also do for myself that are going to get energy back in. And that's everything from, you know, my routine in the morning and meditation and caring for my body to making sure I'm spending time with people that energize me and nourish my soul. Like it's really thinking about 
each person and getting clear on what that looks like for you. And very often we just ignore these things and all of a sudden we get to a place where we don't have energy or the other classic thing is like the all or nothing. I'm either on vacation or I'm working like crazy. And I don't think that's sustainable either because we've all had that experience where we take a vacation and we're like, oh, we feel so nourished. And then we step right back in and that all goes away. And so I ask people to think about nourishment and replenishment every single day in order to get energy back in. That's good. You talk about this term calculated vulnerability in the workplace. <laughs> what is that and why are you advocating for it? Well, I it, here's the thing. I, I think that vulnerability is absolutely an access point to trust. It's an access point to connection. And I also want leaders to recognize that we want to be deeply vulnerable as much as possible, but there's also a limit to vulnerability. And sometimes I think the messages that leaders get is be vulnerable and authentic all of the time. And that's what's going to build trust. And while that will build trust, it's not going to build exactly what you need in leadership. We can't walk into a boardroom and say, well, I don't think we're uh, gone on the right path this time, right? Like you just can't share completely. And so I want people to recognize that, yes, I 100% believe that vulnerability and courage go hand in hand. I absolutely think being authentic, connected to your core principles and your values and who you are is important in leadership. But I also want to recognize that leaders don't always have permission to share everything that they're feeling in that moment. And so when I talk about calculated vulnerability, I'm talking about, yes, be as vulnerable as you possibly can be with the recognition that your emotions as a leader are contagious and you have a ripple impact in the organization and full vulnerability and full transparency are not always possible. And finding that healthy balance between leadership and making sure that you're being authentic and vulnerable when you can, but also recognizing you can't be completely transparent all of the time. And so that's one of the reasons I talk about, you know, calculated vulnerability. It's such a big one. I end up talking about emotions with leaders a ton. because it's something yeah. that we often squelch in the workplace, or we just grew up as drivers. Um, you know, playing sports, we take that same thing from athletics, or we take that same thing from another area of life and just kind of put it into our work. And so it's been surprising to me how many of my leadership coaching hours are actually uncovering emotions and why we do what we do. And so this, these phrases grab me that you talk about emotional labor and emotional yeah. dissonance. Can you explain those? Start with emotional labor. What is that? So it, it ties right into what we were just talking about. So emotional labor is and these are terms we study in psychology and terms that I focus on in my research. And I believe they are a bit of the hidden cost of leadership that we don't talk about enough or recognize enough. So emotional labor is when we are sharing an emotion that is different than the one we're having. Right. And how often do we have to do that in leadership? And that gets back to the calculated vulnerability and why I say, yes, why well, want, want us to access our vulnerability. I want us to access our authenticity and we have to be conscious that the emotions we have are contagious. And so part of leadership 
unfortunately, usually every day is sometimes having emotions that are different than the ones we're expressing. That is actually a drain. That is an energy drain. And so that's why it's called emotional labor. And you don't want to spend all day every day in expressing emotions that you don't have. But we also need to recognize in leadership that is part of what we have to do at times. The emotional dissonance is that disconnect, that disconnect that happens when we are having this emotional, expressing this emotional labor, we get these messages of, well, you got to be authentic, right? And all of a sudden I'm sharing emotions that I'm not having and there's a dissonance between my true self and what I'm sharing. And so unfortunately it's a little bit of a circular loop in which we're drained in our energy again. So I don't share this from a doom and gloom perspective. I share this from an awareness perspective. Like if we can be aware that these are some of the things, some of the hidden costs in leadership, then we can be even more intentional about our replenishment and caring for our vitality so that we have an abundance of energy so that when we do need to use these resources, they're right there and it's not depleting us to a place of burnout. So those are some of the terms that I study in my in my work because I want leaders to understand, yes, it's all the things you think drain you, but it's all these other things that you might not be thinking about that also can drain you that we need to care for. Really helpful, really practical. And we're always looking for that to go, man, okay, what's that moment where I express a different emotion than when I'm actually feeling? Often we'll say I'm excited, but we're actually terrified that this new thing won't work. And we feel like we yeah. have to say this or that. So that's that's super helpful. I'm actually going to use that immediately in coaching. Really good handles for us today. Um, man, a couple more things that I want to explore. Um, you talk about the short-term versus the long-term, and there's a battle between that and leadership. Can you explain that, what you mean by that? Yeah, and we can look at this from a well-being perspective. We can look at this from a vision strategy perspective. We can look at this from an execution perspective. Um, there is a battle between our short-term and long-term self. If we're not careful, our short-term self can take up all of our energy and all of our time. So I'll give you just a classic example, right? Our short-term self really wants to eat the cake. Our long-term self is really looking for, you know, not having sugar in their life, right? It's a battle. And if we don't give enough space to our long-term self, our long-term goals, the things that we want in the future, we can basically succumb to our short-term thinking, our short-term self. And so what I ask people to do, whether it's in leadership, well-being, the combination of the two is really think about can you give a little more space to your long-term self? Can you make sure that future you has enough voice in this moment to know where you're going and where you want to be in the future? And if you give enough space there, um, you're going to end up able to accomplish the things you want long-term. But if you let your short-term self take over on everything, you're not going to get to where you want to go. Delayed gratification right there. <laughs> yeah. I love donuts and I probably shouldn't go eat donuts right now. But yeah, that that's so that's so good, so helpful as a leader. Thought that uh it'd be appropriate for you to leave us um on just a couple of those secret signs of burnout that you've been able to to identify. There are people heading toward burnout. Um and I've been there before and didn't know it. And so what are, I don't know, four or five things right now in this moment as we like are cranking back up into the fall. Uh, right now, four or five things that are secret, maybe markers of burnout that we really could and should be looking for. Yeah, I think there are a couple things that I would point to right away. And part of it is really around like thinking about who you are outside of work. 
Sometimes we keep it all together for the goals we have within the workplace. And then we have zero presence and ability to engage with the people we love the most. So to me, that's one of the first signs I look for is like, um, and I always say as a coach, if, if you're at home and feeling like you're not engaged, I'm failing as a coach because your whole person isn't being coached. So I really feel like who we are holistically is how we need to think and not just thinking of ourselves in the workplace and whether we can get the job done and whether we're productive, but are we actually who we want to be in our entire lives? So that's one thing I look for because sometimes we hold it together for work and fall apart at home. And so that's probably the number one question I will ask people that I want to know how they're showing up holistically. Um, you know, the other thing is like just taking some time to measure your energy each and every day. We all have fluctuations in our energy, but if you're waking up um, most days and you feel you're at on a scale of one to 10 on energy, 10 being like super vibrant, if you're at a, a zero, one or two, like just checking in, you know, having that little quantitative measure, that's another sign like, hey, this isn't this isn't the right energy level that you should be waking up with every day. Um, so that's another thing to look for. And then also just overall disengagement um, and not feeling, you know, engaged in life period. And that's personally and professionally. Those are probably three that I look for. That's good. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for your work, for coming here on the podcast. Uh, and listeners would highly encourage you to pick up Brilliant, Be the Leader Who Shines Brightly Without Burning Out. Uh, other than there in your book, where can our listeners go find your work? Um, we have a lot of work and resources at oneconnectedec.com. Um, that's our website. So if you go to the resource section, we have tons of free resources, including the scaffolding I shared, the structure for energy replenishment. Beautiful. Well, listeners, I just want to close us with this, with a challenge directly from this episode. Make a list right now on the left side of the things that bring you energy on the right side of things that drain your energy. And just to kind of take an assessment. I think that's a great next step from this, to take an energy assessment, some of those drains and some of those spills. And that simple exercise right now could be worth the price of admission in today's podcast episode. Jamie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for all of your work. Thank you so much, Alan.